Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and the benefits of the summit are to help couples create satisfying, authentic, harmonious, and passionate relationships. Today, we have a very special guest, John Gray, who is the leading internationally recognized expert in the field of communication and relationships. His unique focus is assisting men and women in understanding, respecting, and appreciating one another's differences. And I'm so excited to have John on today because we're going to be talking about the differences between men and women in their communication style and their approach to relationship. We'll be covering how men and women communicate differently, tips to resolving conflict in a relationship, how a couple might maneuver through sex challenges along the way, and how couples can manage stress effectively. Welcome to the summit, John. It's great having you on today. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about how women and men communicate differently. Can you help highlight that for us? Well, there's four four ways that women communicate and generally one way that men communicate. It's like we're speaking different languages. Generally speaking, when men are talking, they're gathering information with an intention, which is to solve a problem, or they're giving information with the same intention to solve a problem. Something needs to be fixed, and so he's giving his advice or he's gathering information in order to give his advice. It could also be he's giving information to get advice as well, but it's always about advice and fixing things. Now, women communicate for the same reason, but they also communicate for a variety of other reasons. One is simply to lower their stress levels. I mean, they're not thinking, gee, I'm talking to lower my stress, but it turns out that they talk about things that are going on in their life. They talk about their feelings. They talk about things that are comfortable, frustrating, disappointment. They talk about concerns. And one of the main reasons to talk about those is actually it does stimulate the hormone oxytocin that lowers her stress. And so there's the feedback loop. If her brain focuses on that and she talks about that, she just knows she feels good. So there's an urge to do it. So we now know biologically it's because it actually stimulates various hormones in her body, increases estrogen, increases oxytocin, and that improves her mood and makes her feel better. So that's a little paradoxical to men. Why would you remember problems in order to feel better? Because what happens with men is that we forget our problems temporarily in order to relax. That's the second reason women communicate, which is simply to talk about their feelings and what's going on in their life as a way of regulating stress. Now, another reason women communicate is to experience intimacy. They talk about, once again, they can talk about good things. They can talk about uh, negative things. They can talk about simply what's on their mind, what their experiences are as a way of getting close to someone. It's a way of bonding for her. It's a way for someone to see her, to hear her, to be close to her, as well as for her to see someone else and be close to them. So intimacy. Now, do men have intimacy needs? Yes, they do. But communication isn't the primary way we fulfill our intimacy needs. For men, typically, we do things for someone and they appreciate what we do. And that's how we experience intimacy. We accomplish something and someone acknowledges what we've done. And that fulfills a closer, we feel closer to that person that has acknowledged us. The fourth reason women will communicate is quite often her mind is very, very busy and she wants to sort things out. 
And simply by talking about all the things she has to do, she's able to sort these things out and then sort of regain a sense of priority of what's most important. Now, typically men will do that as well, but we do it through mulling things over. We kind of just go, well, is that important? Is that not important? We're just non-verbally doing it typically. And what happens is women will do this out loud, kind of like if they're carrying their purse. Women know there's a lot of stuff in the purse. They don't always know exactly what's in it, but you sort of open it up and take everything out to look at it and then put it back in or throw some things away. What a good metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and, and men, they carry a wallet. They're not going to carry all these things around with them, which is a tendency that men have is to ways I talk about it is like a gene that men have, which is never do anything you don't have to do. It's constantly prioritizing. What's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And unless something gets to that attention level, what's the most important thing? It doesn't really grip his attention at all or stick in his memory. Those are four ways women could be talking. And if a man doesn't understand it, he will tend to react as if she's wanting him to help her solve her problems. And that could often get in the way. Mm. Now, how would you recommend or how do you help uh, men and women, husbands and wives or people in a relationship, navigate that in a way that they help reduce the level of stress for both and in a way also getting their needs met effectively? Do you have any suggestions on how you help facilitate that so that men can take in what the woman is saying and that the woman maybe is more, I guess, concise or direct specifically in the communication? Do you give any suggestions? Yes. Uh, First, oh, lots of suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) I just taught a four-day course on it. One of the most powerful takeaways, and you take a course on these things to get to the subtleties in order to make them more efficient, but you can get benefit from it just by one simple concept is understanding that regulating stress for women and feeling closer to their spouse primarily occurs through sharing what's inside of her, positive and negative. If she's experienced during the day frustrations, she experiences disappointments, little ones, or our worries and concerns, they don't have to be big. And so what happens is women hold these things inside because it's not appropriate to talk about that at work. Generally speaking, you're there to serve other people. And so you're constantly saying, well, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And you push these little feelings down, uh, kind of like ignoring them. And this is particularly for women. If men do, it's fine. But what happens with women is it builds up and it builds up. And then when they come home, there's a stress and there's a tension. We've now measured that stress. and, And not that this is the only cause of stress, but it's a big part of it. Women's stress levels tend to be four times higher at home than a man's. That's been measured in tests. There's a phenomena today, didn't used to be this way, but when women are in a world where the hormone testosterone is being produced, testosterone disconnects you from your emotions. So you basically, you're producing testosterone and testosterone and testosterone. So these emotional responses, basically not having a chance to be heard or shared or so forth. And when testosterone goes up, estrogen goes down. And when you're doing testosterone activities, the hormone oxytocin is not being produced. Oxytocin gets produced when you're feeling heard, 
when someone's being affectionate, when you're in a nurturing situation, when you're in a harmonious situation, a non-competitive situation, when you're in a comfortable situation, all those nice feel-good experiences actually produce oxytocin. Now, certainly many women, as well as, of course, men, feel very comfortable and excited doing risk-taking activities, competitive activities, urgency activities. If you feel accomplished and good at what you do, that feels good. It produces testosterone. It produces endorphins. But the difference between men and women is that for women, it doesn't make estrogen and it doesn't make oxytocin. And so when she comes home to regulate her stress, there's a greater need in women today than ever before to express how they feel. Now, they often don't do it. There's two types of women. One who does do it is she's often complains a lot. Her husband will say she complains too much or she nags or whatever. She's not happy and she's very vocal about that. Other women go, well, that doesn't work at all. And so they just uh, feel this sort of inner uh, urgency to do everything. So it's almost they become compulsive, addicted to over-worrying, overthinking, and overdoing because they're not processing or sharing their emotions. So this is a very common phenomena today on the female side, which is either a, a greater need to talk about what's going on without any awareness of that, or a woman who does talk about what's going on and pushes away her husband. Now, the phenomenon I see happening with men is the complement to that. What you'll see is just as women are going more to their male side, testosterone is the male hormone, men make 10 to 30 times more than women. Uh, estrogen is the female hormone. Women make 10 to 30 times, no, 10 times more than men. So we have this phenomena happening where women are going way over to their testosterone side. And the complement to that is that men are going more to their estrogen side. Men are going more to their emotions. Uh, what you'll see as men are getting older, even at 35, their testosterone levels are dropping, their estrogen levels are rising. But even when their testosterone levels aren't significantly uh, dropping, their estrogen levels are rising. So this is a biological phenomenon that is being uh, caused by a, a variety of factors. But the reality is, in, in our conversation today, is to, to look at the reality is men are becoming more in touch with their estrogen side of them. We'll call that the female energies. And that means he's more emotional. So when women do start to talk more or complain more, men get more upset. And so what you see today is couples arguing and fighting uh, much more than in previous generations. Now, the reason why men and women didn't fight as much in previous generations is that women knew that if you complained to a man, that they would get angry. So women basically didn't complain that much. They would not talk that much to men. That's sort of the the new phenomena is women wanting to talk and experience greater intimacy, experience greater love and connection and harmony, as opposed to men and women living in two separate worlds, where you'll see still today in indigenous, indigenous societies, they really are in two separate worlds. We've come closer and closer together. And as we come closer, women need to express their femininity more. Men need support to come back to their masculinity more. And the irony here is most people are not aware of this, but if a man simply listens and doesn't speak, it actually increases his masculinity. And women, of course, are trying to get men to talk and share their feelings and what's the matter. 
And it's actually a huge mistake to do. And women say, but I want to, I want to know what he's thinking and feeling. Well, actually, if you really analyze this, why you want to know what he's thinking and feeling for that group of women that try to get men to talk more. And then there's two groups of women there. One is they, they succeed in getting a man to talk more and they wish they hadn't. And then there's other women <laughs> that are feeling he talks too much. Once you get him talking, they can talk way too much. <laughs> and then you get the guy who's sort of the quiet uh, guy and he doesn't talk much. And the woman's very unhappy and stressed because he's not telling her what's going on. Well, that particular man, really what she wants to know is he loves her and he's not mad at her and everything's okay. The reason she feels that insecurity and that need for reassurance is she doesn't understand men, is that the way a man who has a good amount of testosterone copes with stress is he has to rebuild his testosterone and he does that by forgetting his problems, literally. He has to disconnect from estrogen, which worries about things, and he has to disconnect and do something that will stimulate his testosterone in a stress-free way. So like when I'm solving problems at work, there's always the risk and danger of failure. And so I'm making testosterone and I'm using it up. But when he comes home, he needs to make testosterone, but not use it up. That's called replenishes his reserves of testosterone. And so he watches a football game or he reads the news or he reads an interesting book or he has a little workshop and he tinkers. He has a hobby. These types of activities, which are non-stress activities, but occupy his mind, keeps, keeps him awake and alert, stimulates some dopamine, that creates more testosterone. So he has, he replenishes his energy supply. And this is something that's very hard for women to immediately relate to because they don't require as much testosterone and they don't use up testosterone as quickly as men. So here's having understood all that, because so much of this is interpretation and understanding. All of our suffering in life ultimately comes from how we're interpreting situations. I mean, that really is it. Our mind creates most of our suffering or most of our joy based upon how we're interpreting it. If I come home and I'm just simply reading a magazine and I'll give my wife always a hug and I love you and, and a brief, how's it, how are you, and just briefly, and then I'll ignore her for quite a while. I might watch the news or whatever. She understands. John just needs his quiet time. She doesn't go into panic. Why isn't he telling me about his day or whatever? And then then there'll be a more of a time for us to talk and share. And And I have an awareness that it's very important to always make sure women talk a lot more than men. And she knows she doesn't need to ask me a lot of questions if I'm not talkative. It's it's I have nothing I need to share. Yeah. So what yeah. So one other, I know you were asking for a practical thing, and I just realized I can't give the practical insight until you know why it's legitimate and why Absolutely. it's necessary. Yeah. So the understanding is so, so important here. But the, the practical thing a woman can do is the two types of woman, the more traditional woman has a greater need to share, and she will share. The more a woman who's more on her masculine side will come home and feel too busy to share because she's in a work influence. The work in the work world, you're not allowed to talk about your feelings. And, and she sort of bought into that whole thing. So she comes home and she's just overwhelmed and works too hard. So in the case of overwhelmed, works works all the time, worries all the time, too busy to talk. She has to practice a discipline to say, I need to at least take 10 minutes to download my day to my partner. And when I do it, I need to simply say, look, I just want to connect with you. Uh, Please, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You, gotta, you don't have to fix anything. I'm just going to tell you about the ups and downs of my day. 
And the woman who tends to be unhappy and express her unhappiness and what a man would call nagging or complaining, she needs to tell him, I just want to talk about what's going on in my day. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to say anything. Just listen for 10 minutes and I'll feel so much happier. In both cases, you may secretly want him to change and do more and help you more. This is not the time uh, to ask for that. This is the time simply to create intimacy and lower your stress. Ironically, if a woman shares her thoughts and feelings with a man about what's bothering her with the intention that he will now solve the problem by doing something differently, not only does he dramatically resist hearing what she has to say, but she actually doesn't produce the oxytocin and estrogen necessary to lower her stress. <laughs> it's like a no-win situation <laughs> is, right. to share your, is to share your feelings when you're upset with your partner. But it is a win-win situation to share the feelings that have nothing to do with him. That way you can be sure that you're not doing this to get him to change. And then that leads you to, well, if I can't complain and I can't nag, and I'll have to do it all myself. So there you got the picture of where women are. Then, then how do I, what's the alternative? How do I get him to do what I, to give me help? And that's called another whole subject, which is how to ask what you want without pushing a man away. Mm. And <laughs> that's an important skill it's for like, us to explore on how to do that. To get through. Whole, and the first step is that anybody, whether you're a man or woman, if you love someone, loving someone is accepting them the way they are. Women, particularly with estrogen and oxytocin at much higher levels, are much more in tune with the emotions of love. Testosterone is not an emotion of love. Testosterone is, if you're going to kill somebody, your testosterone levels have to go to war, so to speak. You have to disconnect from all of your uh, personal feelings towards someone or humans. And so it disconnects you from emotions, basically. And emotions lead us into the world of empathy. But without emotions, we have no empathy. And testosterone turns down uh, emotions, turns down empathy. If you want someone to do something, you have to love them. And women have the estrogen and the oxytocin. They're the mothers. They make babies. They nurture babies. They're, they, all these hormones, female hormones, increase when you hold a baby. And what do you do when you have a baby? What you're doing is you're giving unconditional love. You're embracing a little being just the way they are. You're not asking them to be more than who they are. So the ultimate aspect of love is to embrace someone as they are. And so when you're asking a man to do something different, to change in some way, he will hear that as a non-loving message because it is a non-loving message. Even if you want to improve them, <laughs> Love is unconditional and embraces, and if it's conditional, love has both sides, conditional and unconditional, but it, love is to see what's good about someone. If you're, if you're telling a man what he's doing is wrong, or he should do it different, or he's not good enough, or he's upsetting you, or he didn't do that, or he forgot that, and, and you're upset, if you're upset with him, what message does he get? Well, clearly, I'll, I'll ask you, if you're upset with a guy, disappointed with a guy, frustrated with a guy, uh, not trusting a guy, uh, complaining about a guy, what message is he getting? That he's not good enough, that he's unworthy, that he's a disappointment, that he failed in some way. Exactly. Shameful. Yeah, shameful yeah. In some way. Yeah, all, all those things are there, whether he's aware of it or not. And all he knows is his defenses go up. 
and his testosterone goes up and his ability to empathize goes down. We just have to look at the biology here. If you put your finger into fire and it burns, don't we want to like not put our finger into fire? Mm. This is the old world thinking. This is monkey brain. Uh, there's a part of our brain that literally is the same as a monkey's. And this is where we go when we're in place of uh, when we're feeling fight or flight. And that's generally where he'll go when she's asking for more. So how do you ask for more? The first aspect of this is to make sure that you're feeling your partner is good enough. You have to communicate that. That's being happy. You don't have to say, I feel you're good enough. You can just simply be happy to see him. It can be that you're appreciating all that he offers you in your life, that you feel your life is better because of him. While you're feeling that, then you can ask for more in small increments and then train him with big rewards. So he starts to learn that when he starts to do a little bit more than his father did, there's actually a big reward. And just because he's being asked to do more than his father was asked to do, it doesn't mean he's doing a bad job and it doesn't mean you're being overly needy. Uh, because men are programmed, we all have massive amounts of programming from our childhood. And this is why there's therapy to try to undo those programs and so forth. Yeah. Uh, from my point of view, I, you know, I'm a therapist, I help people do that. But at the same time, you can bypass a lot of that just by being in the front part of your brain, which is the human part of the brain, which is uniquely human DNA, no other animals have it, and self-reflect. And self-reflect and go, okay, I've got this automatic reaction to be demanding or to be critical or to get defensive on the man's part. He gets defensive, resistant, and so forth. These are these automatic reactions inside of me. Now, do I want to list, do I want to, act out based upon those reactions, or do I want to do something different? Because we really do have the ability to choose beyond that. We can't choose our automatic reactions. We do have these automatic reactions, just like a reflex, when the doctor would hit below your knee and see that your body reflexes. Uh, just as you poke somebody with a needle, they're gonna feel pain. These are automatic reflexes that we all have to be aware of. They're not necessarily going to change that much. Some of our childhood reflexes of how we interpret things over time will change. One, by looking at them in therapy and going into finding our interpretations and consciously changing those. That's good work. But also what does the same thing is right now in present time to recognize what I'm saying and doing doesn't work. So why do I keep doing it? Because we do have choice in what we say. We don't always have choice in what we feel inside, but because that's a feeling reaction, automatic interpretations that we can now just sort of witness and go, is that really true? Is this going to be helpful? So, so much of my work is to say, is it really going to work to complain to your husband? It just doesn't work. So what do you do? You don't do it. Instead, you feel this pressure to do it. Some women say, I can't hold myself back. You go and you talk to another woman and you talk to somebody that you're not upset with. And when you talk to him on a regular basis, talk about things that are not within his realm of control, like things at your work, things at your office, things in the neighborhood, things in the environment, things that are bothering you that are not including him. This starts to create a new relationship between men and women where men actually listen to the emotions and feelings of a woman. 
Uh, otherwise, men typically, we really don't connect with the emotion. As soon as you have emotion, we go into a surge of testosterone that disconnects from empathy and starts analyzing what you're saying to prioritize, to fix, or dismiss. These are just automatic reactions. And so when my wife starts to talk, I'm going to basically, and sometimes that part of me to the side, I'm very much aware of it, but I put it to the side and I realize she needs to be heard 10 times more than I can imagine, 10 times more than I can even imagine. That's what men have to get. We know how much we want to be heard at times, whether you're the quiet type or the talkative type, 10 times more is what she needs and in order to produce these hormones, because when you speak about something that's not a solution to a problem, then the hormone estrogen and oxytocin increase. And that is not productive for men today. We already have too much estrogen. We already have too much oxytocin. And when that meter goes a little too high in men, then suddenly men think they need to talk and they need to get it out. And now we've got these willing women who naively or uneducatedly think, oh, if he just talks and gets it out, he'll feel better. No, he ends up becoming overly estrogen, overly oxytocin, overly feminized, and he loses touch with his ability to feel confident, motivated, strong, grounded, and so forth in his masculinity. Yes, it's also important for men and women to understand how they can respect and appreciate one another through those moments or just periodically in the relationship. Could you share um, with us a little bit more on how men and women can respect and appreciate one another better to improve their bond, improve their friendship, improve their communication and kind of one another? <laughs> yes. The words respect and appreciate, I, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing those up. It's a very, I'm going to do kind of like look at that with a microscope. I feel that that is of great value when we're trying to discern what's most important to my partner. When you, if you look under the, under the definition of respect, it means to esteem, uh, to appreciate, to honor. Now, to me, if you look under the defini definition of appreciate, it means to value and to respect. Okay, so in our society, we don't really differentiate between those two words, but there is a big difference to certainly to respect or to appreciate is to esteem. Okay, that I hold you, you know, I hold you up. I don't put you down. But to appreciate means to acknowledge what somebody did for you, a quality or it could be a quality that person has that you have found to be beneficial to you or to others. I could appreciate what an incredible interviewer you are if I was just listening to your interview, or I could appreciate what a great interviewer you are because I'm being interviewed by you. I can also appreciate how beautiful you are as I'm looking at your picture right now. All those things I can value, esteem and appreciate. It's like the joy it brings me because I'm sitting here alone in my office looking at your picture. Uh, your eyes are beautiful. And so it brings joy to me. This is what women don't understand is that beauty is pure femininity mm -hmm. and it brightens a man's day. You know, really don't look at other guys as beautiful or get any of that from them. I don't look at guys, uh, you know, maybe a few movie stars and go, wow, that's really a beautiful guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, right. But generally we don't look, look for that from men. So I'm appreciate appreciation is a response to what someone does for you. Okay. So that's clear. Respect is not your response of what someone does for you. Respect is an attitude that says, I want to do for you. Like, for example, you would not be interrupting me when I'm talking. You do that very nicely. So you're respecting me. Uh, when I go in my car, if there's a, 
person wanting to get onto the highway, but I have the right of way, they respect that I have the right of way. It's not like every time you make a decision, well, gee, who's that person? Do I appreciate them? And I'm going to let them get in front of me or do I get in front of them? No, there's there's basically laws and there's rules of engagement in life based upon wisdom, we'll put it that way, which is that you respect someone. When my child was, when they were little and they were needing more, waking me up in the middle of the night, I would respect my wife knowing that she was also tired and I'd respect that child which needed someone to come and hold them and I would go hold and walk my little, hold my baby until she went back to sleep. So I'm honoring them by respecting their needs above my own. And that's what you do when you honor someone. You put them above yourself or at least equal to yourself instead of less than yourself. So certainly these two qualities bleed over. When I appreciate you a lot, my tendency is to respect you a lot. And, and certainly they'll go together. Generally, when people respect the law, it's because they appreciate the value of that law it has for them. Or when they respect someone's need is because uh, they see that that's legitimate need. So they value that need. So I made those two points because they're very, very important. And somebody Super, can say, oh, yeah. my. I think that <laughs> it's important to know what we're defining. So yes, I'm glad you did that. Because there's all these books that say men need respect. Men need respect. Well, actually, women need respect way more than men. Mm. Okay, I want to say this again. Women need respect way more than men. And not that men don't need respect, but we're looking at a scale of how important one is to the other. Look at all of the dynamics of romance. Romance is when a man opens the door for the woman. What is he doing there? He's honoring her. He's not saying, gee, you did such a great job for me today. <laughs> I'm paying you back. He's saying, I care for you. I respect you. I'm going to do this for you. You have a need uh, to feel that you don't have to do it all. And by the way, that's why you open the door. That's why you do little things. That's why you plan things for women is that women, even in history, but even now, they're so busy doing for other people. Romance is saying, you know, you do so much for other people. Let me do tonight all for you so you can fully relax. I'm here for you. Yes, uh -huh. and I, definitely. And I was thinking about a man opening a door for a woman. I think it's equally important for a woman to appreciate that gesture. Yes, that's the and whole taking point, the right? time to do that because if it's just oh it's expected and not appreciated, then that's going to break that cycle. So I think that balance of the two is is both both of those parts are really important. Uh, that's the point of what I'm saying. You hit it right on the nail, which is not take for granted. Well, he's a guy; he's supposed to do that. No, he <laughs> he does that, and that that's his role. It's kind of like a little dance step that we do to create romance. And why am I bringing up romance? Because romance is where it helps women come back to the joyful feminine side of them, the relaxed feminine side of them, the graceful feminine side of them, the beautiful feminine side of them. And it puts men in the role of hero, the man who saves the day, the man who's doing something to make her happy. And she's responding by saying, I am happy by what you just did. And this sets in what you just described is, well, first of all, let me say that uh, let me say this. <laughs> this is what Bernie <laughs> says all the time. <laughs> and let me say this. But uh, let me say this, which is the appreciation that a woman has for a man. What he does is the number one, number one source of love for men. Okay. This is, and and when men respect women, that means to be considerate of her needs. 
and then follow through based upon her needs to include her, whatever her, her as a part of the process so that she's not ignored, left out, minimized, invalidated. To respect someone is to provide all of that. And whereas to appreciate someone is to be, uh, acknowledging of what they do for you, that they make a difference in your life. And it's really hard for a man to feel appreciated when you're complaining about him or when you're being critical of him or if you're lovingly telling him how to do something and giving unsolicited advice. How does he supposed to feel? He doesn't feel, I'll put it that way, valued and appreciated at those moments. So now let's look at those two words, respect and appreciation. And realize what hormone gets produced when appreciation is expressed. When you acknowledge and appreciate what someone does for you, how they contribute to your life, what's happening is testosterone levels in that person go up. And testosterone is the most important hormone for men. And when you respect someone, when you honor them, when you're considerate of them, when you're caring of them, when they're inclusive of them, when you see them, hear them, touch them in a way that they would like to be seen, heard, and touched, when you do that, the whether you do it to a man or a woman, what goes up is estrogen and oxytocin. Estrogen basically says, oh, I can depend on you. So when I'm on vacation with my family, or I'll give you an example, practical example. When, when I travel, I travel a lot teaching Mars Venus seminars. And I mean, all around the world. This year, I've been to Iran, Kuwait, Russia, you know, I I go China, Middle East, you know, uh, Malaysia and Australia, you know, all over the place. I'm doing this. People wow. love this. Yeah. yeah, everywhere. It's amazing. Congratulations for all Thank that you've you. done. Thank you. Thank you. So when that's happening, I'm treated like a celebrity. It's, and so when I arrive, someone's there to pick me up in a limousine and they carry my bags and they bring me to my room and all this stuff. And I'm like a pretty girl and everybody wants to see me and do things for me and whatever. My estrogen goes up. Now, certainly some testosterone goes up because a part of me as a male is going, well, I earned this. Okay. So, and I do earn it by working hard, but there's this place where it does, if I'm not careful, I can start getting overly emotional. Like you see with a lot of celebrities and movie stars where they, they become uh demanding uh, things aren't good enough. They have these outbursts of anger and so forth. And as opposed to being able to gracefully appreciate all that people are doing for me, it's like they should do that for me. Well, I am a superstar. I'm a celebrity. You should treat me that way. And while that's very clear, we can see that with celebrities and what what we see is a husband and wife. Ultimately, they're the people you love the most. So they're like celebrities and they're the people we take for granted the most. Men, after a while, stop doing all those little things we did in the beginning to impress her, to show her our best side, which honor her. And women, likewise, will start, will start taking for granted all the things he does. Well, he's my husband. He should do that. And, and well, he's a guy. He's supposed to do that. And then you start focusing on what you're not getting instead of rejoicing in what you are getting. And I'm curious because I think that this ties in with, with sex and intimacy and emotional connection. What are some tips and suggestions for men to feed the or fill the bank account in the foreplay process for their woman leading up to sex? And also, what are some things that women can do in the foreplay period to really build up their man in the process to really nurture the relationship, ultimately to have 
better chemistry, better connection, better emotional uh, bond with their partner sexually and intimately. As I've written whole books on these subjects, uh, and Mars Venus in the bedroom has got that this one aspect of this, which is just, I made it a separate book because it there is something called skill in the bedroom, okay, and and that's sex education, and most men don't have it, and many women don't have it. Uh, half of the women in America are non or have never had an orgasm. Many married women, after a while, lose interest in sex uh, very soon. For some, for many, it's not that interesting. And ultimately, if you want to keep the passion alive, and I speak from experience, I've been married now 30 years to my wife, and I can say that a week ago I had the best sex of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's how it gets. It gets better and better. Mm-hmm. If you have sexual skills, is one thing. I'll talk briefly about that, but. Number one is behavioral skills that we've been talking about. When a man feels appreciated in a relationship and when a woman feels respected, and and what does that mean when she feels heard, understood, and all these things that help lower her stress, and when a man feels appreciated and he's getting enough space, he's not needy and dependent because she's she creates that space. Now, the problem, again, you get these uh, more conscious men. I've just written a whole book called Conscious Men. and what is a conscious man, the benefits of being a conscious man for women, but also the new challenges that women face when they're with these men. Uh, as I mentioned, I focused on one today, which is that they're more emotional and they have higher estrogen levels. And so they lose their libido for their partner faster. They often can easily become addicted to uh, online pornography, which now reduces their testosterone levels even more in their relationship. Here's one of the paradoxes that I feel everybody needs to know is that I talk to men who aren't having sex with their wives and I say, what, you just, you don't, you don't uh, feel sexual anymore? He goes, no, no, I feel, I get turned on by other women, but just not my wife. And the reason for that, and we have to understand that is when you marry someone, you feel more loving. And so you're going to have higher estrogen levels and oxytocin levels because you feel more loving. And estrogen and oxytocin will lower your testosterone, and testosterone is linked to man's libido. If you love your wife, you're in that place of relationship that can happen after, for some people, after just moving in a few years into that. For some people, it's around six, seven years, something like that. You just feel so comfortable with your partner. You know them. It's a peaceful thing for you. But those hormones are being produced in a man. That means his love for her is increased. His estrogen and oxytocin tend to come up around her. So his testosterone goes down. And if he doesn't know how to build up his testosterone, because it has to be much higher to compensate for the fact that he's in a relationship with a woman he loves. So if you if you have low testosterone, the only way that you can get turned on is with a woman that doesn't give you the experience of estrogen and oxytocin. And that's the one night stand. That's the woman you don't know. That's the paid woman you don't know or that's the uh, online fantasy woman and pornography. And the problem with that is it, you know, I've written a whole book on how that changes your brain. That That's a book called Staying Focused in a Hyper World, Hyperstimulation. Literally, when you're having sex with a fantasy person, it, it gives you the experience of like taking heroin. They've done brain scans to see that it lights up the same part of the brain as heroin. And that decreases and diminishes your ability to appreciate and be turned on to your partner which is not a good thing. So the, so you want to keep the sexual experience, this very positive experience. In short, I'll quote 
a woman that just took my seminar. She said, well, I think my husband finally got it. One part of my talk is emphasizing the importance of foreplay and that the more women are stressed, the longer they need to get to the place for most women, the longer they need stimulation in order to get to the place where they can climax and experience maximum fulfillment. And another aspect of it is no matter what you do on some nights, she's not going to experience climax because her hormones aren't in the place to do it. So I tell men, women are more like the weather. And when it comes to sex, which is always changing, they're also like the moon. And sometimes it's a full moon and it's easy for her to have a climax. And if she does it, she's going to miss it. But she's still going to need possibly 10 times more uh, actual stimulation of a clitoris than he would need of his penis. Those are general averages. And so what that means is even with that knowledge, that means you go slow, men, and you give her lots more stimulation before you come. It's basically women first, ladies first. And there's a whole biology of that that most people don't realize is that our health is stimulated through the stimulation of our genitals. All of a woman's nerves and her whole body go to the tip of the clitoris and the same for the man's penis. And women, if they need that lot of blood flow down there for stimulation to actually feel good. So it starts out up in the head and slowly goes down south. You got to take the time to get there. There's foreplay skills. Then you, once she's stimulated, it's hard for her to get stimulated if he's always overstimulated. You know, guys are like really into it going fast and she's connecting with him and not feeling her own body. What I suggest is something called polarity sex where men sort of and women just sort of connect as couples naturally do, kissing and hugging. He's getting really turned on. She might be getting equally turned on and she can get turned on in her heart and in her brain, but not yet down south. That's the confusing thing because men are always turned on down south when they're getting aroused. So there's a big difference. And so she's like breathing heavy and excited, but still hasn't gotten all the way down to the clitoris. It takes a while for that to happen for most women, particularly once they've known somebody for a while and all those other hormones have set in. Step one is five or 10 minutes of foreplay and kissing and touching and whatever, but he doesn't have a climax. He makes sure that he doesn't have a climax. Then another five or 10 minutes, maybe in 15 minutes of just him focusing on her and him not her her not focusing on him at all. And then he gives her a climax. Then they have intercourse and he has a climax inside of her. Now, it's not to say he couldn't start out with intercourse. Sometimes you just put on some lubrication and start out with intercourse because that's what he'd like. He just has to make sure he has some manners there, respects her, and he doesn't come before her. Because when a man comes, he loses all his interest. When a woman comes, she's still interested. So that's one aspect of why women should come first. Second is... After a woman actually has a climax, her the vulva, the vagina, will expand and then contract much, much more. There's many reasons for that. But the when it contracts more, then when he inserts the penis, she will get way more stimulation, way more stimulation. And he will get way more stimulation. And she will experience, in a sense, a double orgasm because when he climaxes, she experiences in her body his orgasm. Just like men feel turned on by women. When a man has an orgasm in her, after she's had an orgasm, she will have the biggest orgasm. So it's, it's a different orgasm. It's going to be fully emotional in her heart. Now, this is like, it's simple. The, the bottom line of that is ladies come first, but not always, because uh, sometimes you need to do quickies. If she's not in the mood, he's in the mood. Then you just establish this is a quickie, so she doesn't need a lot of foreplay. But the danger of quickies is... But that's all you have. Men lose attraction for the woman because men need to feel that bond 
that he provided a climax with her at least once a month. Uh, this is like very, very important that couples need to know this. It's, this is the basic bond between men and women today. Modern relationships are based upon sexual attraction and emotional fulfillment. So outside the bedroom, there must be emotional fulfillment for sexuality to be sustained. But inside the bedroom, there must be this sexual bond that occurs. Otherwise, the emotional fulfillment outside the bedroom becomes depleted. The third thing is we are all being inundated in the environment by toxicity. And simply, if you do all the good behavior and all the good stuff in the bedroom, we also have this phenomena outside, which is called xenoestrogens. And I, you have to bring this into the subject. You know, I've written whole books on this, but the, the xenoestrogens, uh, they plant into a man's body as if it's real estrogen. This is pesticides. This is GMOs. This is, this is plastic. Pollution in the air and it's plastics. This stuff is in our water, it's in our air, it's in our food. Most of the food in the grocery store now has this glyphosate in it, which is why we're trying to at least label it so you can avoid it. But it gets into your system, does many bad things. It kills the microbiome, the good digestive bacteria, but it also throws your hormone balance off. And that's why men's testosterone levels are taking a big dive in the Western world starting around 35. But actually, now children, boys are having puberty quite commonly two years late because of these estrogens are going in his body. Girls are having puberty two years early uh, because of these, these toxins, which the body thinks are estrogen, it throws your hormonal balance off. So there's a lot of health things that men have to do in order to establish their hormones. One of Chinese herbs called myomen, and I talk about this at my website, and a, and a testosterone booster, not taking testosterone, I never agree with that, but it's a it's a herb which tells your body if you're a man to go ahead and make testosterone even if you have high estrogen levels because as soon as the body gets these xenoestrogens it sends a message to the brain to stop making testosterone and that's not a good thing the tonkat ali is the herb that's most powerful for that specific pathway astragalus and a few other herbs in a product called myomen which i talk about on my website helps to kick estrogen out of the body for both men and women because we've got to get that excess toxic estrogen out of the body so that women can cope with stress more efficiently and they can feel to enjoy sex. Another thing is, uh, you know, sex over 45 for many women who are now having earlier menopause creates a big problem for women over 50 as well. They're losing the in the vagina, the the walls are getting thinner and thinner and sex can be painful and they're not lubricating because no blood flow goes there when they're even aroused. And that can be healed with just not having to take hormones. Again, your doctor will say take hormones, but now you're taking hormones. When you do that, your body stops making hormones. What you want to do is natural solution, which is to take aloe vera. And particularly my website, I have a, a very beautiful formula, which is concentrated aloe vera. And along with a, a few other substances, they're all natural to rebuild this, the, the wall. And my wife is 66 years old and she basically started doing this many years ago and it just made our sex life so much better because she says, oh, it feels so good because before it could hurt, it would tear, you know, from intercourse. How can a woman be all excited about having sex if it's something that's painful or comfortable? So aloe vera application, and I explain how to do that on my website, which is, but simply put, you do it, put it in there every night for three weeks. It completely reverses. It rebuilds the whole uh, skin 
makes it thicker, helps it lubricate, increases blood circulation down there. And then depending upon your age and your hormone balance, you might need to do it once a week or twice a week or sometimes three times a week. Mm, great. Yes. A lot of times the metaphor I use is that women are like Volkswagens and men are like Ferraris. And so it's important that we warm up the Volkswagen so it's it's primed and then the, the Ferrari's fast and furious. So we've been able to find this harmony between women's sexual needs and men's sexual needs is, is really important and, and how you highlighted that. that that's great. So I just tried to look at some of the major points. I could see some people going, well, wait a second, you left out this, you left out that. Well, we only have a limited amount of time, but those are even just to get men to slow down and recognize that women's bodies are different. And you mentioned, what about romance? That's the out of, outside the bedroom thing. And why is romance so important? It's stimulating estrogen and oxytocin in the women. Romance is not for the man. Romance is for the woman. But in being successful in providing what she needs, it's then for the man because he feels like superstar. Just as when she has orgasm, it literally boosts his testosterone level from beta male to alpha male. If we found that with monkeys, you can see this very clearly. The part of our brain that's just like monkeys regulates all of this. If a monkey is the alpha and the alpha dies, if the monkey's the alpha, his testosterone levels double. And as soon as he dies, another beta monkey who has low testosterone will actually be put in the role of alpha. His testosterone levels will double. So the environment that a man's in has a huge impact at his work. So if he's not the CEO of the company, and even when you're the CEO of the company, you're comparing yourself to the other big alphas in the world today. It's very hard to be an alpha male today. You become a beta, which is low testosterone, and it's happening more and more as we see the separation between the 0.0001% and the rest of us. But when a man is able to provide orgasm for his wife at least once a month, he is alpha. Now, it doesn't mean you just have sex once a month, but you have sex as much as you both want to have sex. And there's different ways. You can have quickies. You can have healthy home-cooked sex. You can have gourmet sex. You know, it's a, Gourmet sex is sex after an amazing romantic evening where you do something special. But uh, healthy home-cooked sex really only takes generally 30 minutes for couples doing that polarity thing I talked about. And then there's quickie sex, which can take five minutes just if he is, he's having surges of testosterone and it needs to be relieved. But you need to make sure there's a balance of all those things to have a great sex life. And there's lots of room for other things. Uh, if you don't have a great sex life, then that creates all kinds of problems. So we want to make sure sex is great, but we also want to make sure outside the bedroom is great so you can stay attracted to your partner. Absolutely. Great. And do we have time for just one last question? Yes. Okay. So I was thinking about stress. I know your book is about stress and technology and work and how all these things can impact us and internally and then ultimately spill over into our relationship. So can you share with us some tips on how to manage stress effectively, both for men and women, so we manage uh, some of these things that can pull us away from one another or damage our relationship in some way? I have been focusing on that, answering that question throughout the whole inter interview, so I will uh, summarize. Is that what lower stress for women is activities that, that simulate estrogen and oxytocin. And what stimulates estrogen and oxytocin is relationships, loving, cooperative, nurturing, mutually supportive, reciprocal relationships. And if you're looking for a man as your primary source of it, you're not going to get it. Men are dessert. They can only provide the extra to bring you to a higher level of fulfillment. And if you're, if you're looking to him for the whole meal, 
he will not be able to give it to you and he'll give less and less. So you have to have activities that you do during the day. Now, my daughter, Lauren Gray, teaches classes on this, online classes. People can check that out at marsvenus.com and lots of blogs on this. But she talks about the importance of women getting me time. Me time is where you rebuild your hormones, but you, but you can't get to me time. That means do things that just for you. When you take, do things that are just for you, your hormones come back into balance. But women, when they're out of balance, you'll see the number one symptom is you're doing everything for other people and nothing for you. And that's very hard to do. I have tremendous empathy for that. It's like lifting up a heavy weight in the gym. You have to make a concerted, deliberate effort that I need to do something for me to balance off all of my you time. You time is doing things for others. But women, men can go from you time to me time. We're set up to do that and then go to we time. Women are set up to go from you time to we time, then to me time, because it's only in we time that you can produce enough oxytocin to relax. Then you can go to me time, which rebuilds the testosterone in women that they depleted in all of their you time. So that in simple terms, oh, that's her more elaborate theory and helps people understand how to create all those different hormones. And at different times of the month, if you're cycling, your hormones are changing and therefore you need more we time at one point you need more you time at another point. You need more me time basically at another point. So like building up to your period is me time. Building up to ovulation is we time. And in between is you time. And that cycle goes on every day in a sense psychologically. But in terms of periods of the month, there's really emphasis based upon what your hormones are doing. So women have to create this time to do things for themselves. Anything you do that you love to do and you're not in a hurry, will rebuild your hormones that allow you to regulate stress. For men, it's a matter of working hard and then resting, taking at least 30 minutes, if not an hour or more, to completely let go of all responsibilities and be happy. Whatever makes you happy, as long as it's not you know, pornography or something that's overstimulating you, uh, is going to, while you're relaxing your muscles, will rebuild your testosterone so that you're coping with stress effectively. Now, if you don't use up your testosterone, then relaxing doesn't rebuild it. So you've got to use it up during the day. You've got to work hard. Then you've got to rest hard, so to speak. And then you're ready to get into we time, which is where a man's maximum fulfillment comes, where he interacts with a woman and his family, and they're fulfilled by him. So those are some tips on that. And I just uh, want to toss in one other idea here. I, as people go to my website, they'll see I have a whole store, like a health food store of supplements with videos explaining what these things do and why you might want to use them. But the one I've looked for years, for 15 years, I look for what is it that helps women make, what supplement helps make oxytocin. And ironically, when I finally found the research showing it, it was in rats, but at least it was something. It turns out that lithium orotate or lithium, the mineral in rats would produce oxytocin. And that was a big breakthrough because I've seen for 15 years that lithium orotate, low dose lithium orotate, which has no side effects, is not prescribed, it's over the counter, but generally you can only find it online, is lithium orotate produces oxytocin in women. And it is just, it's what it's known for is it calms the brain. Whether you're a man or woman, particularly men today, because we get so emotional because our estrogen levels are higher. I always know when my estrogen levels are too high is when my wife says or does something and I'm thinking about it after that I don't like 
you know, it's just frustrating or whatever. She might be disapproving of me or not being happy with something I said or did or looking at me a certain way. And normally just come, I brush it off. You know, I love the woman. And but sometimes it will repeat in my mind, like, why'd she say that? Why'd she say that? That was annoying to me. Whenever your mind repeats on something, that looping pretty much gets dissolved if you take a low dose lithium orotate. Now, if you have depression, and one out of four women in America are taking antidepressants, that means they're depressed. This is horrible. This is crazy. This is like never before. This is what we're seeing today. And certainly, we're talking about marriage and relationships and sex drive. Taking antidepressants definitely kills your sex drive. But already, but already, you know, happiness is the foundation of a great sex life. And if you're not happy, my gosh, how can a man ever feel successful that he's being valued and appreciated? That's his big measure of it. Is she happy today? Then I succeeded. If she's not happy, oh, I didn't succeed. And that's a little neurosis of men. When my wife's not happy, I don't like beat myself up. I just try to help her. And But I don't feel like it's my fault. I understand women are always going through more stress than men and they're cycling all the time and so forth. So how can I be helpful and supportive to her? And that's the insight and the wisdom that comes at long time marriage and what I try to teach people so they can be happy in their relationships. But the key here is that lithium orotate is deficient in women and men today. The more emotional we are or the more we eat carbohydrates to avoid our emotions, carbohydrates deplete your brain of lithium, which is necessary to facilitate a lot of stuff in the brain. It facilitates uh, the absorption of calcium and magnesium into the cells of the brain. And magnesium relaxes the cells. And without uh, lithium, your cells don't relax. And so you get overly excited. And that, that produces something called glutamic acid, which causes your stress levels to just shoot up. Lithium is just such a natural thing. It used to be in all of our foods and more so in beets. Ironically, beets have sugar. So if you're ever going to be eating sugar, you need to make sure you're getting enough lithium. And our diets don't give it to us anymore. So just a couple of milligrams, that's all it takes. We're talking about the tiniest amount of lithium but not lithium carbonate, which is what psychiatrists prescribe, but lithium orotate, which is over the counter. And ironically, now more, more of the naturopathic doctors are all recommending it for everybody. Buck Foundation says it's a preventative for Alzheimer's. Times did an article just saying everybody should be taking it. But in El Paso, Texas, where the water naturally has high lithium levels, if you look in the phone book, there's hardly any marriage counselors. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> They're and getting their fill. They're getting their fill. I mean, <laughs> it, we really need, you know, as in the mind, so in the body. I'm a big believer of this. And, and I know many parents listening have children and the children have so many challenges today. And I just have to briefly say it because my, my most recent book, uh, one of my most recent books is Staying Focused in a Hyper World, Natural Solutions for ADHD, Memory and Brain Performance. And that's not just for kids, but for people of all ages. ADD type symptoms for women is that sense of overwhelm with too much to do. And it's the lack of interest in relationships for men. They sort of lose that spark of being interested in their partner. And the only thing that creates interest is either TV, sports, or their work. And these are symptoms of ADHD type phenomena in the brain. Rather than calling it ADHD, I call it inhibited dopamine function. And our children have it too, more and more. One out of five boys with uh, ADHD diagnosis, and most of them are taking drugs, which are dangerous to the brain, and most doctors are not taught how dangerous they are. I had to do a lot of research to actually find hardcore research from Harvard University showing that these ADHD drugs cause injury to the child's brain, 
And then I show all of the research that shows that natural alternatives that have no side effects, that are not drugs, that are not methamphetamines like Adderall and Ritalin or cocaine, it's really they're the same as low-dose methamphetamines or low-dose cocaine. You should not be taking these things. Definitely a child should not be taking these things. It injures the brain and the brain development. But things like vitamin C, grapeseed extract, uh, omega-3s, L-carnitine, lithium orotate definitely calms down the active kids without suppression, without side effects. These are things that parents need to be aware of, and unfortunately, they're not aware of it, and their doctors are not aware of it. Uh, it's just not in their education. So I wrote a whole book on it, and it's the only book I've written that has tons of references because we're talking science here and so people like to have all the references and they're there over 70 pages of references proving these ideas that's great, that's great. Well, wonderful, wonderful john it's uh, been wonderful having you on today and i know that you have a special free gift for our audience can you share what that is and how they can access it at marsvenus.com yes if they just go to marsvenus.com right at the top of the page uh you could opt into my newsletter but you can also, with, by opting in or not opting into the newsletter, you just put in your email and we send you a PDF version of my most uh, most popular book in the last year, which is uh, Staying Focused in a Hyper World. I will mention that there is a newer book that just came out. I'm not giving that away for free yet. It's at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or in bookstores. It's called Conscious Men, which is the uh, Mastering the Man Code for Better Relationships. Wonderful. And, it's just it's it's a book for men to understand our new challenges, but it's also for women to understand men and their new challenges. And every chapter has a, a section just for women to understand men and how you can bring out the best in men and interpret them correctly. Sounds great. Well, wonderful. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you today. Thank you for coming on. A real pleasure. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm your host, Andrea Corella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what we covered on today's show with John Gray, how men and women communicate differently and how to maneuver through those conversations most effectively, how to resolve conflict and how to be able to respect and appreciate your partner more, how to maneuver through some of the sex challenges that men and women face and how to manage stress most effectively in your day-to-day -day life. Stay tuned for tomorrow. We have another incredible interviewee that's coming on to the Creator Relationship You Love Summit Series. I can't wait to connect with you tomorrow, so definitely check your inbox. Have a great day. Bye-bye.